Welcome to another episode of Two Crones in a Book, where your host Shell and Annette get together to talk book-related stuff. This could be a review of a book, watch-along of movies based on books, or general ramblings. But be warned, each episode, including this one, contains adult language and spoilers. Consider yourself thoroughly warned, and welcome to our chaotic tea party. everyone and welcome to another episode of Two Crones and a Book where your hosts show and Annette reviews book review this time Fantastic Land by Mike Brockoven I believe I've pronounced that correct yep Annette, I think so do you disagree yeah just to do a little bit of a, a recap uh, the synopsis was uh, since the 1970s Fantastic Land has been the theme park where fun is guaranteed but when a hurricane ravages the Florida coast and isolates the park the employees find it anything but fun five weeks later the authorities who rescue the survivors encounter a scene of horror photos soon emerge online of heads on spikes outside of rides and a viscera of human bones littering the gift shops breaking records for hits, views, likes, clicks and shares. How could a group of survivors, mostly teenagers, commit such terrible acts? So we will follow our normal format, which is we'll give you some light spoilers and then we'll give you notification when we're going to the spoiler floor where it's full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Now, Annette. Yes? <laughs> you did audio and I did paperback. Yes. What did you think? Right, well... <laughs> I can feel, feel tension. I was so tense in the air tonight. Um, I'm going to say the audiobook, which was narrated by actually two narrators, Angela Dorr mm-hmm. and Luke Daniels, did a fantastic job because there is such a massive amount of characters in this book. Yeah. That they use different accents, intonations, and that to differentiate between different characters, which really yeah. kind of brought this interview style to to mm. life i think it felt very much like i was listening to a documentary which is not the normal kind of feel yeah when you're listening to an audiobook which really fed into my love of like true crime podcasts yes it felt very much like that so for me it worked so well okay but i don't know if that would translate so well into a paperback i don't feel that it did oh no <laughs> oh no so for me i did finish it and i will say that it did start to take off just over a quarter of a way through but the the preamble the scene setting which is essentially the investigator who's, who's supposedly leading the investigation into this atrocity that section that whole section felt really like a textbook I felt like I was reading a newspaper article uh, there was no it, I, it was really hard to get that voice in your head you know like you, you start to develop the characters and you get a tone of voice it felt really really flat it did start to take off a little bit and I got more and more interested as it went on with the interviews because it switches doesn't it so when you get the interviews it's always a different in the book it's like a transcript of, of the interview that this reporter has done yeah but again, they kind of blended all together. I don't think that the language was necessarily distinctive enough. Okay. It kind of like, they kind of started to bleed and overlap into each other. And I was a bit like, oh, so I went with it because there was good bits. There was a couple of good lines yeah. and scenes in it. But it, it kind of w- was a little bit of a, 
a mosh pit for me. Right. For listening to, the overlap was fine because it helped build the story. Yeah. But because you were hearing them from different voices, you didn't have to put a voice on in your head because I suppose you couldn't give those character backgrounds because they're all in segments and it's just it's just like witness accounts, isn't it? So you're not really yeah. building up too much any of the characters or who they really are. Yeah, even down to things like accents in, in your head, you know, for one of your favourite books, Annette. The Hobbit, you know, they've got, when The Hobbit is speaking in my head, they've got a Somerset accent. Well, yeah. You know, it's all right, my lovely. You know, that's the kind of of voice that they have. But in this, because you didn't get any kind of build up to the characters, it was just the same voice. It felt like in my head doing the same story, just from a different, it really bled into one for me. And also, I think the other issue with it being because they are eyewitness accounts, they're not wholly trustworthy in their interpretation of the story. So some things don't kind of make sense. If you were following a through line, it's like, well, that's your version of what happened and what really Mm. happened. And it can get a bit much. I, I get that, but it really worked for me in this format. And to be honest, it would. I think this would make a fantastic like mini series, where like the individual stories. See, I'd watch it as a mini series. I would probably even listen to it as a podcast. I'm wondering if this is one of those cases where an audiobook version of it brought something to it that finished it off it was like the icing on the cake yeah i think it's definitely more a script treated as a book which should be a script yes i've got you yeah yeah Yeah. so this this is definitely like it feels like it's like this is what i'm offering whether it was like fully committed as a as a written piece Mm. as to be published as a book i don't know if it suited that but a hundred percent for a radio play podcast or miniseries it's perfect for it. See, I would revisit it if it if it was one of those. If they did a podcast version of this, I'd, I'd be up for giving it a go. Yeah. But the flatness kind of, of put it off. Uh, it was likened as well to Lord of the Flies. Yeah, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies meets Battle Royale. And... Yeah, and I just didn't get either of those vibes. And I think it's... <laughs> I mean, the synopsis, it says it, a scene of horror. It kind of suggests to you that it's a horror book. I didn't think this was a horror book. I thought this was more a reflection of society with a level of gore. Yeah. So not horror, more gore. Yeah. Well, it definitely brought the gore. <laughs> yeah. Which we'll get into in spoilers. But yeah, there was, there was, there was a lot of times when my jaw fell over. <laughs> audibly (laughs) gasping oh my gosh I hope no one else can hear what I'm listening to (laughs) Um, I mean it was 272 before we move to the spoiler floor it was 272 pages yeah clocked in at 10 hours and a one minute so from me just before we we jump in that lift that elevator for me this was a mediocre no intention of revisiting it but would consider it as dramatization i wouldn't recommend this this isn't a book i'd say to someone you go read okay and i would say for the audio definitely give it a whirl but if not hold out for the series because surely there's got to be one coming (laughs) (laughs) cool okay with that in mind then let's go to the full disclosure of spoilers um so we'll go to the spoiler floor yep um, and then we can let rip. So anybody who's listening, that means that now we are just going to discuss freely any aspect of the book that we, we choose to. So if you don't want any spoilers, you may want to press 
pause until you've read the book. See you on the other side. Next stop, the spoiler floor. Okay, Annette, full disclosure. Yes. What do you want to talk about? What's what stood out to you? Okay. I don't think we're going to do this in any real kind of order because obviously you're not feeling it. I think we should just pick out the good bits. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the bits, the only bits that I, oh, I liked Lord. in this yeah. was the, the groupings. So it divvies up into two groups. Yeah. And I really, really liked the freaks. So you've got the pirates, the shop girls, uh, the freaks, the fairies. The, the prairie fairies, the Deadpools, the robots, the mole people. And the people. robots. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I was going to ask you that. If you had to be in one of them, which group would it be? The freaks. They were the cleverest 100%. of them all. 100%. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. So you've got the shop girls who go a little bit feral. And they're like, it's our stuff and you ain't coming in. Yeah, because they were kind of like, they, they, um, their area of the park is what's known as the Golden Road. So that's kind of like where all the gift shops and food stalls are. And when this when this park was built, the um, the original owner was a bit do-lally and put like real, like very visceral, real things in there. So they mm. were selling things like bows and arrows and the, the shop girls use those as their weapons of defense. Yes. Yep. So that's them. Yeah. I'm remembering stuff. Uh, remember. <laughs> And then you've got the robots who they seem like one of the nicest, consistently nicest groups yes. through most of it. Because they were kind of like, you know, I think it was, they were the ones that some of them had um, some weeds. They were like, well, we'll just have a joint and we'll see how we get on. And it's only when they wander out of their patch, they get caught up in this feral warland behaviour mm. that's going on between the other, the other groups. And then that's it. They're sucked into it. But up until that point... They'd been quite chill and happy to just kind of plod along. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit more of a mix of age groups in that group, wasn't there? There was like some yeah. security and maintenance and things like that. And the incident you're referring to is when one of a couple had gone out walking just to patrol and see what was going on. And mm. um, they separate them and they kill the female member. And do, do they just string her up to have a body hanging as a warning to everyone else? Yeah, and they had they had no intention of stealing anything. They were literally no. just out for a look. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got the uh, the pirates. Before we mention the pirates, I think we should mention the mole people. The mole people were like the maintenance, and they were called the mole people because they you they were more familiar with, and took over the tunnels underneath the park. Yeah, very much reference referencing the ones like Disney, isn't it? Mm, yeah, like, like they say in the book, you never see anybody in Disney walking along with a trash bag, do you? No. Because they've nipped into their little tunnels underground to not ruin the illusion. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they they kind of plod along. They do go a little bit doodally at the end when they decide to call for help by blowing up this iconic symbol of the park. It was an exclamation mark, wasn't it? Yes, wasn't it? that was like the, yeah. the most recognisable thing of the of the park. Absolutely. And they decide they find some um, C4, I think it is. But the guy who then decides that he can use the C4 gets the quantities wrong, doesn't read the label, and he ends up doing double the size of the explosion that, that he thought. And their thinking was legit. It wasn't about destruction. It was about if anybody's looking on satellites, if they see that this has gone over, they'll know that they need help. Yeah. 
So there was kind of a logic. That's the sort of thing we'd do, isn't it? You know, be like, all right, look, I found this stuff. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, And then you've got the pirates. Who are the most evil buggers. Yeah, and they've got, it's the leader is likened to a cult leader, isn't he? It's insane. It, he is probably one of the darkest mm. characters I think I've read for a while. Yeah, he's, he's proper control freak, isn't he? Like he makes people, uh, like in the form of a cult leader, really, he, he talks people into thinking that something's their idea. So like to they have these fight clubs in in house mm-hmm. and if you want to join the pirates well whether you want to join the pirates or not you have to go in and and fight in this ring and it's it's really quite brutal and there's the pirates there's a lot of the other groups so the pirate interviews kind of deny a lot of the negativity that there is about them yeah but the other groups quite consistently say that they were fuckers they were nasty bastards yeah so there was a, a a bit where I think it was the fairies. There was only one guy in the fairy group. Yes. Um, and he he said that the girls were beginning to go missing. Yeah. Uh, and then he started to see that it, it was the pirates. The pirates were coming and just taking the girls that they wanted to take. So that kind of of level of nasty, really. Yeah. Because isn't there even one point where he's he's walking and he sees just one being led by the arm by one of them. And he yeah. knew for what there's just nothing I can do. And he he feels really bad about that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's he's outnumbered, unarmed, and he does even at one point try and rally them together to do something to to hide or to run or to fight back. But they they're just not interested. They 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 just want to to bury their heads in the sand, and it gets to the point where their group's just getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. But you do find out later on that uh, a lot of them actually did become pirates themselves by d- doing these fight things, and it definitely changed them and the dynamics yeah. of the characters. So, but it kind of forced their hand, didn't it? Because mm. they they had no intention of wanting to do that. But when you're given a life or death situation, because they get branded as well, the pirates are branded. Well, that, with yeah, a... it led to one of the probably one of the most horrific scenes in the book. Um, a branding episode wasn't it when um yeah. when some of them were some from a different group were caught rummaging through a food supply mm. or one of the shops in the near the pirate area um they get caught and there's two men and a woman and they give the men the choice to join the pirates or die you know one of you yes. we, we always take one but the rest have to go and he agrees and they brand him with a branding iron and then mm. um, tell him that he has to kill the woman, isn't it? Kill her or just attack her? I can't remember. He has to brand her on the cheek, doesn't that he? That was it. And he presses it to her face, but he leaves it there so long, it goes through her cheek and into mm. her tongue. And it just the description yeah. of it is like, I could not breathe. And to me, that's gore. Yeah. That, you know, that's not necessarily horror mm-hmm. horror. It's a horror yeah, gore. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you're right. It was super descriptive. It was a bit like, I need to sit down and put that, just turn up for a minute and go watch the Care Bears or something. <laughs> um, and then you've got my my favourites. I mean, there are other groups as well. There's the Deadpools as well. Yeah, they're the ones that run um, the comic book shop area. And like we said, those few yeah. others, yeah. But the, the group that I took away from this was the freaks. Oh my God, they were my heroes. Now talk about smart. <laughs> You know, like, so they could see and and they, right from the beginning, they were able to predict the way it was going to go. 
So what they did is use their smarts. They're basically the circus area, weren't they? So they had like a big marquee circus tent and they were makeup artists yep. um, and things like that. And, and they use their smarts to convince all the other groups that they're more trouble than they're well, worth. Well, yeah, because the, the thing is, it was before the hurricane happened, it was the build up to Halloween. So they had all mm. this gear in for the area. So they set dressed it to look absolutely fucking terrifying to the rest of the tribes. Yeah, and they they come along and, and peek and they, they set up special effects as well because they worked on it every day, didn't they? They were constantly modifying it and moving it around. And there's a scene where uh, someone comes to the tent from another group uh, and they, they see these two statues with these really freaky horns and it totally and utterly freaks them out and they go back and the attitude then from the other groups is if they leave us alone we'll leave yeah, them alone yeah they even sort of like leak out rumors as well don't they that there might be cannibals as well to guarantee that no one comes near them yeah it was like they embraced the use of propaganda and that was their biggest weapon and i don't think that they actually had to fight anybody. No, it, it says at the end of all the of all the tribes they theirs was the one with the most survivors very very few died and they, they didn't have to engage in any of these mad battles that were going on. I mean, at one point, the pirates find a cannon that was used for display. But because the person who built the park is so into authenticity, it was a real bloody <laughs> cannon. And the pirates go and set it off and, and try launching it. it. It was, yeah, it. I think the freaks were amazing. And they managed to keep their circle tight. And they used smoke and mirrors to frighten people into staying away. And I thought that was really clever. It was clever. fantastic. I'd just to spend that whole time, a whole month, you got yourself protected. So what are you going to do? Sit back, have a couple of roll-ups, and there you go. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, because they, they were just um, having joints all they the time, weren't they? They were just stoned all the time. Yeah. Oh, what a way. That's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> but they were really, really clever. And I, I thought, yeah, no, you, you had it because you don't get to find out about the freaks in depth until the, they're referenced yeah. but until towards the end of the book which was quite clever because you start to build up this perception yeah. of them and then you find out it was all smoke and mirrors which, that was a good twist it definitely was yeah it was quite surprising them how quickly this all came to be though they were only there for a month but then you, you know that's possible depending on your group it isn't is it you know, all, all that takes the pirates were inspired by yeah. a sociopath, you know, someone who would have been a cult leader. And you gave them the perfect environment for that person to take the young, inexperienced and naive, because most of them are college kids, most yeah. of these staff. And he was that little bit older and he just, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because this, this is a, this is the, the whole thing with the park was the, they were not allowed to, you the whole idea was you're not supposed to use your phones. They shouldn't be seen or heard mm. for authenticity and all that. But I think when everything happened, they were cut. They were cut off. The Wi-Fi was cut off and everything. There was there yeah. was no way of communicating with the outside to the point that it was so remote where this park was when the hurricane hit. It became a literal island um, yes. on all sides. And what there was was it, all that water was just like sewage. Yeah. And, um, I know the reason why it took so long for anyone to, for the Red Cross to come and see if any survivors or anything like that, or if they needed any help, was the company themselves. They said, well, no, we've a contingency plan in place. And yeah, they did. And pretty, 
what it was was called Operation Rapture, which is an <laughs> awful name. Uh, but it was literally you're leaving kids in charge of a park with foods, food and drink supplies for 30 days. So it's like, well, you don't need to worry. They'll be fine. Carry on. Worry about but, everyone else and they'll get out when they get out. But they, they went feral, yeah. didn't they? You know, like it was... And I mean, there was a couple of other bits in there that stuck out to me. So another one was... I can't remember their names. The guy and the girl who were boyfriend and girlfriend got the guns and they, they hid. Do you yes, know who I mean? yes. He was kind of like that character who is that guy who could get you anything you needed. And yeah. he had a bit of a charm about him. And it was such a beautiful little relationship they had. Yeah. And he, I think they did love each other. Like he did love her and, and she did love Very him. Good, yeah. Um, but yeah, that doesn't end well for either of them really i mean in it, we've said full disclosure so he ends up getting captured while he's trying to help someone else because they these two this this guy and this girl isolate themselves from everybody mm-hmm. else yeah. don't they and then he's he's comes across a an incident and ends up getting sucked into it and they kill him yeah. uh, so you don't get his interview or his perspective but what you do get is is the girls that he's left behind um and she's basically left in this hidey hole with all these guns um, and all this contraband that they had. And she's really pissed off when she's talking about what happens and how she loved him and all that. And the twist towards the end is, is just before they were rescued, someone was walking around with guns, giving out guns. Yeah, and she's like, oh, it's her, it's her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, no, she had the hump and so she decided she was going to do maximum damage. See, now, how much if you were watching that on your show would you, like, be air-punching? You would, you'd be like, go yeah. on, girl. <laughs> The other bit that stood out for me was the guy that decided that everything was kind of shit and he wanted Here we go. So he, he, yeah, he trudged across this waterlogged wasteland that was so toxic. He says that it it gave him rashes and blisters because a lot of them were getting rashes and blisters. Yeah, the character was actually called uh, Jason Card. Jason Card. Ah, so you obviously, if you remember his name, you're obviously more invested than me. So tell us (laughs) about him in it. Well, because it was a very standalone chapter, like you could imagine the standalone episode of a series very much. Yeah. And it's him talking about how, like he said, there was a, a, a hotel that was attached to the park and it was a disgust, this horrible trudge through all this toxic like slurp well not toxic but you know all this uh sewage raw sewage and all that and he gets and the smells revolting and he finds himself in the hotel he finally gets there the the ground floor is flood is partially flooded out so what he does is he spends was it a couple of is it a couple of weeks or something or a couple of days staying in a room living the life of luxury there's food on because the uh the restaurants are on the top floors so he's in heaven. And it's empty, so it's just his. So he's not got to worry about anybody else. No, it's else. all for him. And then one day, a couple arrive. Mm. And so he kind of like has a peek over the balcony, I think it was at that point. And he looks down and they look up and they both have these pig masks on. They, yeah. from now on, will be referred to only as the warthogs. Yes. And... They kind of, and, sh- and the girl waves to him. And it's like, he's a bit creepy. Yeah. like, don't like this. So that's like... He kept his distance. They seemed to kept, keep theirs. But then as as the nights went on, they would start, he'd start hearing banging and thumping on mm. all the doors. So he then decided to move to different floors, different yeah. rooms each night. And then it would still be going on. And 
uh, it got to a point he realised that he was causing a pattern because all the rooms could only be opened by a key card. All the rest yes. were automatically locked. So every time he left, yeah. those doors would remain open. It remained so open. So they could follow where he was going. And then at the same time, he would hear on other nights screaming and shouting and like, Mm. um, like, uh, did he hear chainsaws at one point? I'm not sure. Yeah. And people screaming. So it would seem like that they were kidnapping people, torturing and killing them in the hotel. Eventually it comes and there's so many near miss moments where they almost Mm. catch him to the point they do eventually narrow him down. He can't sleep. You know, he's paranoid as fuck because they are they're, every night they're hunting him eventually they do it gets to a point they they see each other like she's across the other side of the balcony on the same mm. floor gives him that little wave then a fella yeah. comes after him but he manages to escape them very luckily yes but the thing is he's survived the mm. park he's told his story and then every so often he will get a postcard in the mail yeah. with nothing on it but it is a postcard from that hotel. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't matter where he moves, he will always get one. He still gets one. one. Yeah. And that sent me cold. And you, you don't think that it's um, just in his head because I think it's the freaks or see them. I think a couple of the other groups in interviews reference seeing yeah, them. Yeah, just kind of like walking around looking like don't, don't want to mess with them. They seem a bit... Because there was an assumption, I think, by one group that they were part of the yeah. freaks. But they it turns out they weren't part of the freaks because the freaks have seen them as well and thought, oh, we ain't having none of that. No, so in amongst all this, you have your own set of serial killers their own having a their, field day. Their own urban legend has grown mm. in this micro universe yeah. with themselves. I, I just I just thought that was so good. I was like, oh, I, I would I would give them all my money to watch this. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> See, when you talk about it like this, I think it would make a good TV series or a good movie or even a good dramatization on, on the cast platform. Yeah. But it just, it was so flat during the experience of it. Reflecting on it is more exciting. Talking about it, you're like, yeah, that's, you know, that was really cool. But when I was living it and, and living through the book, I it was yeah. flat. I, I, well, to be honest, no, I, I, I can't see it because I haven't read the, the hard version, the hard copy. Mm. So I'm, I'm taking, I've, I've taken it in a positive experience and I can, I suppose I can understand, you know, how it yeah. how it must read wrong. But it, I even now just talking about it, it does get me excited. And I want it to be a thing. <laughs> I'm I'm just so sad that you, you didn't get that same experience. But I, I wonder if I'd done the audio book, if I would have got it. That perhaps that would have just been that last little step yeah. to bring it to life for yeah. me. It needs to be fleshed out. Definitely. Even if that's just someone doing different voices or different accents, I think that's all that was was yeah. lacking. Um, I might revisit it. I might give it a go on Audible and see if that makes. I'd, a difference. I'd be really interested to see what you think of the audio version for sure. Yeah, because if you if you've liked it and you you know we're quite similar a lot of the time, not no, all the time, yeah. but a lot of the time in our tastes, and for us to be so opposite about yeah. it. I'm I'm wondering if it was just that characterization, that audio characterization that was yeah. missing. 
I I would think so. I might revisit it. Yeah, I might do it on Audible. But based on it being a paperback for me, it's a meh. So I think overall we're we're gonna say probably don't bother so much with the paperback, but if you if you are interested in the story, if you're into these kind of things, a hundred percent go for the audiobook. You you'll not regret it. If this is your genre, if you like a bit a, a good gore, uh, documentary style, what what will make mm. a great something that would make for great TV? Mm. Definitely give it a go. Definitely. Cool, and I, and I will make a point of revisiting it on my next epic journey in the car. I'll download it and Yay! give it a go. <laughs> so yeah, that was a. Uh... A meh for me and a yay it's a yay for, for you. me. I'm going to wave the little fantastic land flag. <laughs> My little exclamation mark. <laughs> See, I kind of, I can, when I talk to you, things like, I, you know, this would make really cool merchandise. I would love a fantastic land uh-huh. t-shirt. <laughs> you know, things like that. You'd be like, yeah. Uh, it, it just... It was just that little bit of characterisation. It just bled in too much. But I'll definitely check out the Audible. Um, oh, do you know what? Just thought then, graphic novel. It would have been yeah. much better as a graphic. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just giving you ideas out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. for me, it's a for Annette. It's a yeah. yeah. Um, but we both hope that it would be dramatised either for TV, film, or as a, a podcast. Absolutely. Oh, can you imagine back-to-back horror start of Fantastic Land on your TV? Oh, that would be pretty cool. I would I'd really like to see Horror Oh, Store. God, yeah. I would be made up. That'd be pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> That'd be such a good um, night in. Oh, my God. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, you should check out one of our previous reviews, uh, which was on Horror yes. Store. Who was that by, in it? Grady Hendrix. Um, we both agreed that was pretty mm. good. And we want that to be a drama 100%. as well. 100%. <laughs> we should have a drama list, shouldn't we? A drama category. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll do, we could do one at the end of the year. Our award ceremony. A wish yes. list. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do an award ceremony in yeah. December. We're, we're, we'll issue a badge or yeah. something. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what book review we're going to do is one which is called The Corset uh, by Laura. Yeah, this Purcell. is one of your recommendations, isn't it? The one you wanted to give a whirl. Um, yeah, so it, it is one that I wanted to, to give a go. It was a charity shop for All me. right. And it's got such a cool cover. Uh, so it's a picture of a, like a peacock feather with a needle and thread yes. coming out of it. Anyway, it was very visually appealing. It's The synopsis is as follows. A new Victorian chiller from the author of Radio 2 Book Club, Pick, The Silent Companions, is prisoner Ruth Butteram mad or a murderer? A victim or a villain? See, I'm, in, I'm invested yep. already. <laughs> Is she Michelle's type? (laughs) 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 Um, Dorothea and Ruth, prison visitor and prisoner, powerful and powerless. Dorothea, true love, is a young, wealthy and beautiful. beautiful. Ruth Butterham is young, poor and awaiting trial for murder. When Dorothea's charitable work leads her to Oak Gate Prison, she is delighted with the chance to explore her fascination with preneology, and test her hypothesis that the shape of a person's skull can cast light on their darkest crimes. But when she meets teenage seamstress Ruth, she is faced with another theory, that it is possible to kill with a needle and thread, for Ruth attributes her crimes to a supernatural power inherent in her stitches. 
The story Ruth has to tell of her deadly creations, of bitterness and betrayal, of death and dresses, will shake Dorothea's belief in rationality and the power of redemption. Can Ruth be trusted? Is she mad or a murderer? Well, very intriguing. So you've got Victorian prison, <laughs> bit of the supernatural, fingers crossed. We haven't. I don't think we've done anything historical, have well, we? Well, Frankenstein. No, see that's <laughs> you don't you don't count that as historical. No, see that's a classic. That's either uh, either fits under the category of of gothic. Or well, because it was written at the time, it's not a retrospective of history, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I could be completely wrong. These are just the categories that I have in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're correct. Well, it's, it's slightly longer than my usual listen. It clocks in at eleven hours fifty three minutes. So it's a little bit longer than Fantastic. Yeah, Land. that's almost like two hours more. It's quite a heavy feeling book, as in physically right. heavy. Uh, it's 392 Ooh. pages, but it feels it feels nice. Is it too. a nice feely one? It is smooth. It's one of those smooth. It is books. smooth. <laughs> it's just smooth. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it could be a switch. You might hate it, and I might go, I Well, it's it. radically different from the one we've just read, so it should be interesting. So we will love and, and leave you. Um, let us know if you like Fantastic Land or not. Yeah. Let us know, let us know which team you yeah. fall in. Pro or Oh, my God, that's so Annette BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> team Annette, Team Annette, Team Shell. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, on that amazing note, we shall love and leave you. And next time we will be doing a ramble talking about smut. Oh, dirty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. See you all Bye, later. Guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Crones and a Book. If you would like to contact the show, you can email us at twocronespodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media for episode content and more. You can find us on Twitter at Two Crones Pod and on Instagram at Two Crones and a Book. Also join our Facebook group at Two Crones and a Book. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on your podcast listening app of choice. Take care now and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>